Welcome to White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. A behind-the-scenes look at the White Sox as they prepare for the 2021 baseball season. Brought to you by Wintrust Bank, Mazda of Orland Park on ESPN 1000. Chicago's new home of the White Sox. Happy Saturday morning to you. I'm Connor McKnight, and this is White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000. Happy first week of spring training. We've got a handful of ball games in the books, and I got to tell you, that feels very, very, very good. I checked it out. It's like, it was, it was three varies worth of good. That's how it felt this morning. Uh, lovely to be here with you. Lots to get to on this morning's broadcast. It starts our AL Central preview series does this morning. We're going to take a look at the Royals with Rex Hudler, who is a uh, huge baseball fan, loves the grand old game, a legitimate crazy person, and one of the more entertaining people to talk baseball with that I have ever come across. Rex Hudler is going to be our guest right about uh, 9.30 or so. I I, I thought it would be good to take a look at the rest of the division because – These are the teams the White Sox are going to have to take down. And in some cases, maybe like the Royals, maybe like the Tigers. And depending on how things go with the Indians and their ability, sorry, Cleveland and their ability to score runs or, you know, not, you got to beat up on the teams in your division to make sure that you got a nice little padding for your battles with the Twins. And then, of course, this season, unlike last year, you got to play teams outside the division as well. So nice to build a base and hopefully the White Sox can do exactly that out of the AL Central in this season. You can get in touch with the show as well. Here's the big question of the show for the morning. What White Sox player has impressed you most so far this spring? Last week, it's it's kind of funny how the, the ebbs and flows of spring training goes, right? It was last week, the big question was, what one thing would you have answered for yourself about the 21 White Sox if spring training could answer that question for you? Uh, Today, it's who has impressed you most. And weirdly for me, the answer to both of those questions has been the same guy so far. I'll get to that in a second. You can hit us on Twitter as well. I'm at C1McKnight. I asked that very question there. We'll pick up some of your answers on Twitter. You should also be following at ESPN White Sox on Twitter. That's the station's White Sox handle. All of the content goes out from there, and you should go uh, give that a follow. Give us a call, 312-332-3776. That's how you answer the question at hand this morning. Who's impressed you most so far? I know it's only been six games. 0-3-3 sounds weird to say, but spring training is weird this year. And I I got a feeling spring training is continue, will continue to feel kind of weird to those of us who have been, you know, kind of watching spring training baseball for years now and come to understand that, It's middle-inning pitching changes and guys you've never heard of before and triple-digit jerseys walking out of the ether to materialize into left field and playing the last two innings. That kind of stuff doesn't happen the same way it used to anymore. And that's caused some issues here and there. Uh, But for the most part, it's spring training baseball, and I think we'll all be okay. Uh, You can watch watch us on Twitch as well, twitch.tv. Just search ESPN 1000 Chicago. We're there. We're streaming. We're live. Hello. Our producer this morning is uh, Tyler Aki. Tyler has the Tyler has lineup watch this morning. It's a it's a brand new feature this spring training 
for White Sox Weekly. The second, and this will happen once we go to two hours and get time shifted closer to the games as well. The second the lineup comes out, it's breaking news here on the show. So, Tyler, it is your job to, regardless of what I'm doing, I mean, unless I'm talking to Rex Hudler in a little while, regardless of what we're doing, let me know the, the lineup's out, and we're going to get it to everybody live on White Sox Weekly. That's your job. 9 a.m., I'm attentive, I'm ready. <laughs> I may be 23, I may I may not like these early mornings, but I'm ready. I'm ready for a lineup here today. I got to tell you, early mornings at 23 feel terrible, but they don't feel as terrible as when you're 35. <laughs> I promise you, they just don't. And you're not even drinking coffee yet. You're still, no. you're, and I remember, I was there too. 23, 24, 20. I don't need coffee. I'm fine. Never had a sip in my life. Doesn't matter what I've... Yeah, well, wait till you hit 30. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. And then it's, can I finish this second pot by the time I get out the door? Do I have an appropriate coffee mug for my drive into work? Because I need to. I absolutely have to. Our first pregame show is tomorrow at 1.30 in the afternoon. Thrilled to bring it to you. You're going to hear from Len. You're going to hear from Tony LaRusso. You're going to hear from Ethan Katz going to be a full-on pregame show the plan is to go seven innings against the rockies tomorrow we will bring you as much and all of it uh as we are allowed to bring you postgame show is is somewhat tbd we're going to see how the broadcast goes we do have some march madness stuff tomorrow to get you as well but the full pregame show starts tomorrow at 1 30 here on espn 1000 big one today for the white Sox too it's Ronaldo lopez and scheduled to pitch is Garrett Crochet against Cleveland. Lineups aren't out quite yet, right, Tyler? Lineups not out quite yet? Nothing yet. Nothing nope. yet. Okay, good. Thank you. But we, we have seen a handful of, like, notable pitching debuts in, in the first week. You know, every team does. That's, that's not unique to the White Sox necessarily. But every team has seen some of the guys pitch where you're going, okay, let's see what this looks like. Let's see what the command looks like. Let's see what he's working on today. Let's see what that breaking ball is shaped like. Let's see, in the case of Ronaldo Lopez today, what the fastball command looks like. And heck, for Reynaldo, you know, we talked with Ethan Katz a couple of weeks ago here on White Sox Weekly, and it has been written about quite a bit in places like The Athletic and MLB.com with uh, James Fegan and Scott Merkin about the work that, and that's not to say that other guys haven't written about it. I think Daryl Van Scallen's written about it as well. But there's a big remake to Reynaldo Lopez's delivery, his mechanics. He has apparently adapted a, a bit of a shorter arm swing. It's not the same, as I understand it, it's not the same delivery to which Giolito is now pitching, with which Giolito is now pitching. Uh, but it is kind of the same philosophical remake, I guess, in that trying to shorten up the arm swing a little bit by doing that the hope is that you can locate the fastball a little bit more often with both command and control so that's that'll be really interesting to watch because for that fifth starter spot for two for that guy to round out the rotation it really does look like the battle is is between Renato Lopez and Carlos Rodon with Dylan Cease likely getting the nod in the four spot after those big three dudes and, and maybe Carlos, given the nature of his work in the big leagues before and and not you know coming out of the bullpen to great success last season, though I wouldn't necessarily rule him out of doing something out of the bullpen just because last season didn't go well, that, that battle's going to be an interesting one. Garrett Crochet is scheduled to pitch as well. That should be a blast. Like to see him healthy off the mound and, and pitching, you know, healthy i guess that's all i want out of garrett crochet today that's all anybody ought to want 
is just be finish and be healthy and be cool. And we'll see you in a, in a couple of days, I think. Um, a couple of the things I, I wanted to get to here to start the show. At, at 03 and 3, the White Sox do not have a spring training win yet. And that's fine. And there are a couple of things about spring training so far that can just be fine, at least for me. I'd love to know how you feel about it as well. Um, but the other thing we've seen affect a good number of ball games, unless they're on on the mothership, and then those ball games have to go nine, and you don't quite see it as much. But they have been rolling innings over and shortening ball games, and to me, that's okay. Spring training has, and and Len and Rich King were talking about this on the MLB.com broadcast yesterday uh, when the White Sox tied the Mariners. Spring training has taken on a very different tone in regards to how front offices evaluate their players. And this isn't recent. It's been the last, I don't know, 5, 6, 10, 15 years probably, where teams kind of know what that depth chart looks like. Scouting's become more advanced. Sabermetrics have taken part of this whole thing too. Spring training isn't a month and a half for players to get back into shape and lose the weight that they gained while they were selling cars somewhere or something. You know, I mean, it's just, it's not like that anymore. And that's okay too. So when we roll over innings and, you know, we get the reaction like we did. Remember Jose Abreu came up? It was the very first broadcast of the year of spring training for Len and for DJ right here on ESPN 1000. And there he is, strolling up to the plate, the 2020 AL MVP, Jose Abreu. And instead, what the fans at the ballpark got was rolling the inning over. 2-2 pitch, swing and a miss on a split. And a big strikeout for Ari Hara. He is not out of the woods yet. He's got to face Abreu, and I think they may be done. Nutera's walking off the field. And so, yeah, the White Sox fans are not too thrilled as they will be denied a Jose Abreu bases loaded plate appearance here in the second inning. As the kids say, it is what it is. I love, I mean, there are some real boos in there. There are some, I am upset. I came here to watch more baseball. I have several Jose Abreu jerseys, maybe some in the trunk that I was hoping to get signed. Like there is, I get it. I feel you. But at the end of the day, that rule is in place to make sure pitchers are healthy, that you get them all into ball games, And I, I understand. I mean, if you're at the game, you can be angry. That's all right. You're not booing anything other than a lack of baseball. The baseball you came to see. It's understandable. I understand. I, I completely understand it. But you're going to see more of it. And I don't think that rule or shortening games the way that, that spring training has about the Cactus and Grapefruit League, I don't think that's going away. Now, the plan is, up until March 13th, that teams can play shorter games. They can agree on innings lengths. Uh, it's 7 tomorrow. I think it's 7 today as well. And then after the 13th, you're supposed to go 9. But like we are kind of in this day and age, everything is subject to change. Big question out for White Sox Weekly this morning is, who's impressed you most so far in spring training? For me, it's the same guy that I, that I answered the question about uh, last week. It's, it's been Andrew Vaughn. He's got four walks and four games played. He's got the dinger. He's looked solid 
in his approach at the plate. But I want to know what you think as well. Let's head out to the phone lines in Oswego. It is Dan. Dan, you're on White Sox Weekly. Hey, what's up, Connor? Um, so just just looking into things a little bit, if, if Andrew Vaughn's not going to make the team for some reason, obviously for service time manipulation or whatever you want to call it, um, why not give Zach Collins a shot um, the first crack at the DH job, at least against right-handed pitching? Mm-hmm. I mean, you've invested a lot in him with a first-round pick, and we really haven't seen what he could do. I know carrying three catchers isn't ideal, but what do you think about Zach Collins getting the first crack? Yeah, I, you know, Dan, I, I think that's a guy the White Sox are going to look at some. We're going to talk about the backup catching battle a little bit later on in the show. And then before we end it, I, I want to get into the adjusted plan for the minor leagues. Appreciate the phone call, my man. There, there will be alternate sites this year as well. I'll give you the details when we get back because I, I don't want to. It's a little bit of a longer topic, and we're coming up against a break, and I want to fit in Mark as well. Um, but there will be alternate sites. The start of AAA has been pushed back, though. Like I, like I just said, even still, plans aren't cemented, and that's okay. We still live in a world that's very much affected by COVID, and the ability to congregate and play these kind of you know highly logistical things are still up in the air. That's understandable. But the minor league plan seems to be shifting some over the last week or so, and that's going to change how teams look at some of those fringe players. I shouldn't necessarily call Zach Collins a fringe player, but those guys that are you know right on the edge of the decision based on either playing time or positionality or depth of a certain team, those guys are going to be affected. Uh, let's add it to Mark in Bloomington. Mark, you're on White Sox Weekly. What's on your mind, man? Uh, Wilmington. Um, I just want to say a very good show. I'm Sox boy again, and I just just want to say, uh, can you choose a manager for uh, impressive? Of course um, you're allowed to choose the manager. Mark, it's your show. Okay, well, he is impressing me now because his attitude's incredible, and um He's on the dugout, and he's not sleeping in the dugout like the other managers are. Were, I mean, this is the first time in a long time that the White Sox had a decent a guy that's probably keeping an eye on the game and everything else. And I just, I just think Tony Larusa. I don't know how the White Sox are going to do, but I mean, their attitude's great, and it, it, I just, I, it's refreshing just to see a White Sox uh, a guy care about the White Sox. All right, Mark, uh, appreciate it, my man. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been impressed with Tony as well. I think the way that he's kind of reacted and responded to some of the rollover inning things, um, that's been uh, interesting and somewhat meaningful. Uh, like the day before, I want to say two days before, we just played the cut of Jose Abreu coming up to the plate and everybody uh, losing their mind because they didn't get to see what everybody wanted to go see there. I get that. Um, but Tony had said, yeah, I, I kind of like the rollover thing. It's, it's not a terrible deal. Kind of sees it in action. And then goes, no, you know what? I this not quite right. That's that's not what folks are out here for. This isn't all that much. And it wasn't because it affected his team. I mean, he did it once or twice as well. It was just it, it just it didn't feel right to him. It didn't feel I don't know. Um, I don't know that he used the word honest, but that's kind of the sense I got of things. So that was somewhat interesting. We'll get back to the phone lines in just a sec. Tom, you are on deck. This is White Sox Weekly. When we come back, you're going to hear from Michael Kopeck about his new assignment this season coming out of the bullpen a new mindset as well rex hudler is going to join us right around 3 30 we start our al central preview series we'll take a look at the royals this is white Sox weekly on espn 1000 Welcome to White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports is the new home, the new home of the White Sox. 
Big curveball, but I got to protect against the fastball. High fly, deep left field, back on it is Calhoun. Gone! That is a three run homer. Andrew Vaughn. This is White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000. I'm Connor McKnight. That was Len Casper calling the first spring home run for Andrew Vaughn. I hope the two of them team up for more of those type of highlights as the season goes. Heck of a shot, too, by Vaughn. I didn't think he got it all. I mean, just that swing on a pitch high and tight like that where you pull the hands in and then the flight of the ball, I'm going, I maybe. Wind pushed it out. It was also hit a ton he has got the ability to hit with the uh, White Sox fans have probably heard this before. To hit with short arms, you know, to bring that bring the barrel in, really square the thing up. Even if it is a swing, you got to adjust with. That was impressive. His approach has been impressive, and so far through six games, Andrew Vaughn has been. Well, he's played four, but the White Sox have played six. He's been very impressive to me. I remain really interested in his ability and the White Sox willingness to put him on an opening day roster, as it were, you know, not having played a lot of minor league baseball, not much at all, alternate site stuff last year. And I still remain really curious about just how good and what type of quality, um, what type of quality the alternate, alternate site stuff was for players last year. It's not through any fault of the organizations. It's just, you know, it's, it's different kind of stuff. Ted Beck got to the phone line, 312-332-3776. Been asking what the most impressive, who the most impressive White Sox has been for you so far. But it's your show, and we can talk about any White Sox topic you want. It's Tom on the Northwest Side. What's up, Tom? Thank you, Connor. You're really doing a great job there, and I appreciate you being on the air. Thanks, Tom. Uh, I just wanted to, and I, I hate to, uh, to hit uh, a dead horse, but when you look at the New York Mets, uh, the way that they're uh, showing off James McCann, and I think of uh, Rick Hahn signing uh, after he had signed uh, uh, McCann last year at the end of 2019, uh-huh. he uh, made the mistake of giving that $74 million contract to, to uh uh, Grandall, and I, I think in the end, you think, it was, be you think they shouldn't have signed Yasmani Grandall? Uh, absolutely not. Why? If you look at his his defensive efforts are terrible. He's one of the top at, rated defensive catchers in baseball. Well, I don't know. I'm, no, no, you don't have to. I and I don't have to either. Like other people do this, smarter than than you or I. He's he is. Well, that's true, but we're going to see what happens with McCann because I, I'll tell you the way the Mets are shaping up. Uh, they're, Alderson was so smart, and getting him for $40 million for four years, I'll tell you that Sox should have resigned him. That, that's that's my feeling, and I think a lot of people find that to be the case at the end of this year. All right, Tom, I appreciate the phone call, man. I, um, if, if the 21 White Sox suffer from a f- severe lack of James McCann on the roster, then many, many things have gone wrong. You know, and that's... I, I'm not I don't mean to take a shot at McCann or anything here. It isn't one. But Luis Robert and Aloy Jimenez and I shoot, I don't have to go down the roster for you, right? Like that is not a linchpin player, James McCann. 
And no matter your feeling on Yasmani Grandal, whether you like him, whether you don't like him, isn't that kind of the signal that him signing with the White Sox kind of turned things in the city? Sure. That, like, that's a good thing. Yeah, when one so. of the top players in all of baseball, especially at his position, wants to come play for the White Sox. That's a good thing. Yeah, I think that matters. I think that matters. I think the I think they, they hit the money right as far as Yasmani Grandal goes. Remember, he took a prove-it deal with the Brewers the year before because that, that market was kind of so tumultuous for him. And he did prove it, proved what he's been proving in this league for a long time and has shown it again for the White Sox in 2020, or at least, you know, in 60 games of 2020, as it were. Um, I, I want to get to one more thing here before we get to Rex Hudler. I, we haven't run myself out of time, have I, Tyler? We can talk a little bit about Michael Kopech. All right, great. Because uh, Tony La Russa spoke a little bit about how Michael Kopech will be deployed in the bullpen this year. Kopech himself, just the other day, I want to say, what's today, Saturday? So Thursday, spoke about how that bullpen role is going to be different from him, how the training has differed some. I'll let Kopech tell you the rest. Here is Michael Kopech. Short-term recovery is going to be a lot more important. Um, I, I've kind of gotten used to the past few years of having four days in between starts, doing everything I needed to in those four days and having plenty of time to recover. Um, and now just getting back up every couple of days is going to be kind of an adjustment to me. Um, but I've kind of just been following along with the relievers that have established themselves, like Bummer and Hendricks and guys like that, and just kind of seeing what they do, seeing what works for them, and uh, taking what works for me. And then if it doesn't, then kind of making adjustments from there. The generalized plan was that I'll do some bullpen innings and then hopefully build up to have a starting career again at some point. Um, but as far as this year goes, I'm kind of just going with what I need my job to be. It kind of takes some of the pressure off of you. Because you just get a chance to go out there and compete and throw your best stuff for a short amount of time. And then you get to do that again the next time you go out there. So you kind of get out of your own way mentally. And it's not so much preparation or mental preparation as much as it is just going out there and be able, being able to compete. Um, and those are his words, not mine. It's something I'm going to have to experience myself. But I think that that's a good approach to have. So that's Michael Kopech. He did talk a little bit, too, about how um, Aaron Bummer, he's talking about Aaron Bummer, kind of helping him out with the bullpen routine there. Mentioned the velocity. Daryl Van Scowen asked him about the velocity, what that's going to look like coming out of the pen. You know, guys who have been starters and have to go into that bullpen usually see a bump because you don't have to leave anything for later innings. He said, yeah, I'm going to work with where I work. You know, maybe you see a couple of ticks more than I'm, I'm used to or more than I'm looking for, I suppose. But I think for the most part, He's going to sit where he sits, that kind of thing. I, I'll be honest, my emotions kind of overrode my better sense of, of pragmatism when, it, when I heard the Michael Kopech news that it was for sure he was going to work out of the bullpen. I had been really excited about seeing him out of the rotation some, but you are coming off of a you know, largely unprecedented off time with his injury and then 2020 being what it was, be safe. You've got, I think, enough starters to at least body up some of the innings through the first couple of months. Kopech out of the bullpen, if that's the safest and most effective thing for him and for the White Sox, so be it. I, I, think, I think we understand it. Coming up in just a few minutes, uh, Rex Hudler. We're going to start our AL Central preview series. We'll get to the phone calls on the other side of Rex. So, Alex and Phil, hang on the line. We'll get to you in, in a little bit here. We'd love to take a few more phone calls before we get out of here here on White Sox Weekly. But I 
really wanted to start start with Ryan McGuire, our executive producer. We're like, okay, we, we should we should do an AL Central preview up to opening day. This is you know the right amount of time to get us a couple of previews of uh, Kansas City, of Cleveland, of Detroit. That Minnesota team that's very, very good. I think it's worth a deeper dive into those ball clubs to let you know what the White Sox are looking at, some of the changes that have been made, and the ball clubs they're going to have to beat to stay on top of the AL Central, uh, as is the stated goal. So, coming up in just a few, Rex Hudler, noted crazy person and baseball enthusiast and Royals analyst. In just a minute, this is White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly. If you miss something, podcasts are available on the new ESPN Chicago app. White Sox Weekly, ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000. I'm Connor McKnight taking a trip around the AL Central, and there is no better man to talk to about the Kansas City Royals then Rex Hudler. Rex, great to have you on the show. How are you? Life's been crazy the last couple months. Want to know how you're doing? Oh, Connor, outstanding. Thank you for including me in the last few months. Man, how about the last year? It's almost been a year to date where, where COVID came out. Man, it seems like 10 years it's lasted. I mean, that's how long. But look, the grand game is back. I was going through some old photos Last night, I woke up. I couldn't sleep. I was all excited. And I saw some pictures that I took of my broadcast booth of the K and all the fans in it, opening day, the flag on the field. Uh, you know, and I just, it just warmed my heart. So it's really, really exciting to see the grand game being performed now. I'm with you, man. I, I can't wait to get fans back in the stands and, and share this game with everybody who gets to watch it over the summer. What's what's the big takeaway for you, Rex, about the Royals of 2020? Like, if we if we bottled that up, whatever it was, and then you had to give one kind of takeaway of the season the Royals had, what would that be? Well, you know, unfortunately, the Kansas City Royals and their fan base have been used to some really bad years, um, and they witnessed the last two hundred lost seasons. So, what what goes along with that is a lot of sighing, a lot of oh well. Dayton, he'll build a team. And sure enough, last year when in the 60-game season, which is really nothing when it comes to baseball, you need a full 162. There's a reason. Uh, and for, for as many years as the grand game has been played, that they play that many because it takes that long to determine who's the best team consistently. But last year, in order to get back in contention in the Central, you have to have a pin. And I'm sure that everyone knows the Royals in 14 and 15 had the best bullpen in baseball and one of the reasons they won. So they had to rebuild. New manager Mike Matheny, his first year with the Royals, although he was hired the year before to go scout the system and to become acquainted with some of these young future prospects that you know the Royals have. So he comes on, and from day one, he was managing like he was managing in the World Series. Very nice to see the attention to detail and the wanting to win. You could tell, even though he was shorthanded a little bit uh, with some of his offensive players and a few players that, that tested positive for COVID, the Royals got off to a rough start. And that is, is one of the things that's got to change if they want to get back into the Central, which I think they will. Uh, they've had a couple of, of last three or four years, rough Aprils. You can't afford to do that and try to play catch-up. But what Matheny did is he hired, he had Rosenthal, Trevor Rosenthal, who was an established closer. He had he had uh, 
Greg Holland, who is an established closer, especially back in the World Series days of the Royals, and, and he inserted those guys in the back of the pin, along with Jesse Hahn, a veteran pitcher who's throwing 97 to 98 consistently with a big yak and a changeup, whose who's, uh, ERA was, was impeccable. And now here comes a couple of the young stars. Josh Stamont, a kid who averaged 102, or actually not average, but he topped 102 more than any other pitcher in baseball. He's got a great fastball with the curve. They, they, they helped develop him last season. And a kid named Kyle Zimmer, who was the Royals' number one pick in 2012, 10 years ago. The kid had the worst luck, had injury issues, but they developed him. He's another kid that was supposed to be a primetime starter, but it's going to be in the back of that bullpen too. So this year, you fast forward it, and they established the Royals had, had a, a lot of opportunities late in games, and they held the lead. So the Royals have reestablished their bullpen and a couple new arms for the future, but they did include Wade Davis for this year, another piece that uh, was in the, the rock concert band back in the Royals' day. So they, the, the, the bullpen, to answer your question, Connor, has, has been much improved. Okay, they've got five solid starters, uh, but they've got Dayton Moore, who's a tremendous general manager that doesn't get the credit that he deserves. He built a, a world championship team from the draft. Those guys all reached the World Series twice and won it once, which is a big feather in the cap with all the trades he made in that season to bring on Zobrist and, and Cueto and all these players. He knew how to finish the deal and get the job done. He now same general manager goes out with a new manager, excuse me, uh, not only a new manager, but a new owner and Mr. John Sherman. And Mr. Sherman says, Dayton, get what you need. So he goes out in the beginning of spring training and, 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 and lands uh, a center fielder, Taylor, this kid from the Nationals. The kid, he's, he's got playoff experience. He's 30 years old. He's ready to go. He missed a season or so because of the injuries, but he's ready. Nate Moore went out and got other, got other pieces, seven moves. Santana is a first baseman. Uh, they went out and, and hired, got Holland back. So he answered every single question they needed. And the last piece was, what can we do to replace Alex Gordon, our eight-time gold glover in left field? What, we need a left-handed bat. He needed that all, all winter. He waited till this end here so he could consummate a trade. He'd already spent the, the money that John Sherman, the owner, gave him. And now he's going to become creative and find that left-handed bat. But really, a 26-year-old kid with five years already in the show and a world champion and, a, and, and, and leads the league in assists since 17, they couldn't have found a, a more perfect young player with experience to fill Alex Gordon's shoes than Benintendi. So I'm going to tell you what. Barring any major injuries, you have a legitimate lineup now with the Kansas City Royals have with Santana in there, Soler, who led the league in, in homers in 19, Whit Merrifield led the league in hits. Oh, and Aldeberto Mondesi, who led the league in steals at shortstop. So there's three guys on your lineup that, that are league leaders in, in, in major categories. Uh, so they don't believe they're going to have any problems scoring runs, and they feel like they're going to have a pin to win to shut it down. So in my opinion, knowing the Royals, and this is my 10th year following them, watching Dayton Moore, watching how he builds the system, um, and, and, and the rest of the league knows how they do it with small ball, moving runners, stealing bases. Um, the rest of the league knows exactly what they got. 
they got a dangerous Kansas City. And I guarantee you the players and managers that, that have played against the Royals the last 200 lost seasons even respect the Royals and how they go about their job. So the Royals, I'm sure, won't be taken lightly by anybody in the Central. Yeah, Rex, that's what's amazing to me here, is is this team, despite the last couple of years, really has gone for it. What is what is that next step for Benintendi, though? Because he's kind of that, that biggest move, at least from my estimation. You tell me if you've got a bigger one out there. But there there is a lot of... There's a lot of chutzpah in trading for Andrew Benintendi, but there's a lot of work that he's got to do to get back to form of two years ago as well, I would imagine. Yes, but you know, once you've learned how to ride the bike, Connor, you know how to ride the bike. Mm. Okay, Now, sometimes when you ride that bike, you want to do wheelies. You want to show off to the neighbors, and you want to, you want to do a wheelie and ride down the block with, on one wheel. Well, that's the same as a player who, who's had some success getting on base a couple of seasons with the Red Sox at 41 doubles. That's major. Uh, now says, I want to become a power hitter. Oh, really? Well, one of the things a young player has to learn of the many is to find out who you are. Okay, are you a 25 to 30 home run guy? He found that out. No. Mm. Do, by putting on 10 or 15 pounds of extra muscle, is that going to help your game? Well, I think it does overall the, the, the long run of the season because I played it myself but not necessarily going to turn that into, into becoming a power hitter. He failed. He, he, he tried to become somebody he wasn't. Realizing that and going back to the drawing board and being happy with his 175 pounds, 180 pounds a kid to get on base at the top of the order, now he realizes, look, this is who I am. So in a, you put him in that lineup in a large Kauffman Stadium for 82 home games, and you have all of a sudden have a doubles machine, a gap-to-gap guy who's not going to try to go deep. He's going to hit second in the order uh, behind, of course, Whit Merrifield, who everybody knows about Whit. Mm. And then you've got guys to drive him in, Santana, Soler, Salvador Perez. I mean, this is now uh, a Benintendi's a piece that they expect to get back to who he is, and he himself ex- expects that as well. What's the next step for Adalberto Mondesi in his career? What's, what's on the precipice for him? If I could come back, Connor, and become a, a Major League Baseball player again, he's the type of player I would want to be. No kidding. He, he's the guy I want to be. No, because to be able to I, – I, I learned how to have fun and how to control the game with speed. Okay? I was in the front of the line when God was passing out the speed gene. I could run. Not like Mondesi, though, but I still could control the game. That was fun for me. I was a good defender. I had good hands in the middle. I was a number one pick by the Yankees. I had some skills, but nowhere did I have skills like Monesey. Monesey is from uh, a great lineage. His father was a star pl- player in right field who had all the tools as well. Mm-hmm. But this kid has unbelievable speed. He's got power from both sides of the plate. He's got incredible range on defense, a strong arm. He's got everything you want to be an MVP player. But way the game is and i found this out too you have injuries you have setbacks you have issues you can't stay healthy you can't stay in the game long well all this has someday got to end and he needs to put together a 150 game season okay uh and so when that happens he'll accidentally put up numbers he'll he'll lead the league in steals no question sure. there's not one player and i've been in this league a long time not one player that has his type of speed and his ability so really he has MVP potential. Okay, so does Salvador Perez for different reasons. But there's a couple of guys on this team that are can't miss 
guys and can't, you know I mean, fun to watch because they're exciting. Mondesi is one of those players. So hopefully this season in 2021 is the year that he establishes who he really is. And would that be a beautiful thing for the Kansas City Royals? There's no doubt he's got ridiculous amounts of speed. You're right on that. And the glove, I mean, the glove speaks for itself. Still, though, if he's kind of the young core-ish piece of this team, Jorge Soler, Sal Perez, and Danny Duffy are all free agents after the coming season. What should be on Royals fans' minds? And what should be on the, the minds of the division, really, as, as you look at those three impactful players, knowing that you know, their, their time in Kansas City will need a new contract in order to, uh, to be extended? Ah, uh, the Royals are used to this. No big deal. Some of the kids, they, the, the young players that helped them win the World Series, they couldn't hold on to them. They couldn't pay $125 million for Hosmer like the Padres did. You know, they lost Moose. They lost Locaine. Mm-hmm. They lost uh, some of their players. But the Royals know how important Salvador Perez is to the organization and the city. This guy plays with more joy, more passion, more enthusiasm than anyone. I mean, he loves the game. You see it. So I'm sure that they'll be able to work a deal out with Salvador Perez for sure. And then Duffy, I don't know what's going to happen with him. Hopefully he's a, he fills the, the need for a, a, a second or third starter on the Royals this year if something happens and they need to move him to the bullpen. By golly, you got a left-handed arm down there to go with all those other veteran guys. So Duffy has a, an interesting season ahead. It's, there's not a, The Royals have three or four uh, top blue chip prospect pitchers in the minors that are waiting, just waiting to enter that, that, that starting staff. So I don't know if they'll be able to re-sign Duffy or not, but you know, it's nice to have guys that have been to the series and especially homegrown Royals. Okay. Salvador and Duffy. Who was the other guy you mentioned? Uh, Jorge Soler. And so not homegrown, but oh, still an impactful yeah, guy. Yeah, no, Jorge's not, but, but look, um, they they should have a uh, they might have be able to find a guy that could replace him if it doesn't work out. Mm. But you know the Royals they, they definitely know what they want to do. But the fans they are all excited today about the Royals front office doing their job in the off season. How many thirty? How many of the thirty teams, Connor, can can say, "Wow, our general manager got every piece that was needed." Not too many can say that. But the Royals can. Their fan base is excited. Look, they don't care about 200 lost seasons in a row. They believe they can win, and they have the players to do it. They have the experience. Mondesi made his, uh, his major league debut in the World Series, becoming the only player in the history of baseball to do that. You got Santana, played in the World Series against the Cubs at first base. You got you got uh, Taylor in center field who went to the World Series. Benintendi's a World Series champion. Uh, Holland, uh, uh, Wade Davis. All these guys have experience. They know how to do it, and the rest of them are going to go, wow, let's do all aboard, fellas. Let's get on board. Rex, we're uh, wrapping up this series of taking a look around the division with kind of the same question for everybody. So I'll ask you, Rex Hudler. What do the White Sox look like from your perspective heading into 21? The White Sox look like a perennial contender, a lot like the New York Yankees every year. Um, all of a sudden now, you know, they've went ahead and made their moves. Reinsdorf, you got to love him. Man, I'll tell you what, I would have loved playing for him. And he, he, he takes care. He wants to win. Yeah. He, he's not afraid. 
He goes out and get him, gets the players he needs, and now he thinks he might be missing something. Well, that something was Tony La Russa. Now you put a captain like that who's been there and done it, like I said, the experience to manage this ball club. Hey, the sky's the limit. If they stay healthy, they are going to be dominant. You, you can't, you know, the ace, the first and second starters on Major League Baseball teams might be able to shut their offense down a little bit, but they're going to mop up on three, four, and five. I guarantee it. And if, if they get anything out of Keuchel and, and their top three guys that they got, uh, you know, they're going to be tough, like their bullpen. The fact that they went out and got that beast from, from uh, Oakland, uh, that, that kid, He's got a big arm, man. I love him. We had him once on our team, but he knows how to close games. Some other good arms out there in that bullpen. The White Sox definitely have the edge, and everyone else knows it. There's some pressure that comes along with that spot, though. The Royals like to just sneak in there, no one talk about them, and bam, here they are. Rex, appreciate you as always. Looking forward to hearing your calls all season long, my man. Connor, you're pumping me up today, man. Thanks for letting me on with your wonderful people there in the Windy City. I want to be real clear. That's Rex Hudler. He needs no one to pump him up for baseball. That man is pure excitement all the time. Some pretty high praise for the White Sox as well as we ended that. We're going to uh, continue the AL Central previews as we go on here leading up to opening day. We've got White Sox baseball tomorrow afternoon. The pregame show starts at 1.30. I'll have that for you. Len and DJ have the call at 2 o'clock. That'll be the White Sox and the Rockies. We'll take some phone calls when we get back. This is White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly. If you miss something, podcasts are available on the new ESPN Chicago app. White Sox Weekly, ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. a 3-2 and Engel pops one deep to left back toward the wall it's gone that is a two-run homer for Adam Engel and the White Sox are on the board trailing three to two Len Casper's first home run call here on ESPN 1000 that was Adam Engel going yard in the very first game of spring training for the White Sox tons of fun they've got another one this afternoon Reynaldo Lopez and Garrett Crochet are both scheduled to pitch so that's exciting Tyler lineup yet yes no nothing yet Ah. nothing yet okay we're gonna treat it like breaking news as soon as it comes out only a couple minutes left on the show but if it gets there we'll have it for you out to the phone lines we go in Logan Square a fine square indeed it's Alex What's up, Alex? Hey, thanks for taking my call. You know, when it comes to who's impressed me the most uh, this spring, it's, it's hard to overstate, you know, the, the roster, how fun they are to, to watch. But for me, it's the fans that have impressed me the most this really? spring. You know, we're, we're out there booing that stupid inning rolling rule. <laughs> uh, turns out where we, we drink, we put away more beers than anybody else in the league. Yeah, how about that? Uh, it, it's, it's great, you know, the, the the fans out on the north side, they're lightweights, but that's okay. I'm, I'm not making fun of them because they can't handle it like they're, that's, that's okay. But White Sox fans, we are in midseason form. We're ready to tailgate today. We're ready to rock that park. Alex, I'll, uh, I'll hang up and listen. Appreciate you, my man. Yeah, I mean, be safe while you're doing it, and it sounds like everybody's getting goosed up for the old opening day thing. That's great. Be distant, say six feet apart. Make sure you're drinking your own can, whatever you're drinking. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Be safe. That's the most important thing, but... I, I do want to get into a couple of things before we say goodbye here. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if you've seen, and we'll tweet it again, the White Sox as a club have been 
handing it to Nick Madrigal for something that he told Chuck Garfine on, on Chuck's podcast a little while ago. Chuck's got a great pod, by the way. Um, he said it'd be easy. He said he could see himself, Nick did, getting to 3,000 career hits. The White Sox have made up T-shirts where instead of, uh, instead of Bernie on the shirt, it's Nick Madrigal in the Mr. 3000 movie poster. And they're just they're handing it to him left and right. It is hysterical. I've tweeted the picture. You can go find it. ESPN White Sox. We've, we've tweeted that as well. The T-shirts are fantastic. Also mentioned that we get into the backup catcher position for just a second. It's a battle. I mean, it's on. Jonathan Lucroy has looked pretty okay at the plate. He did a kind of a brain fart on the base paths the other day. That's, you know, but you're going to have those, I guess, that, then every now and again. Zach Collins threw a guy out at first the other day. So it's just kind of nip-tuck, I think, this battle for the backup catcher spot. Tony La Russa has been effusive in his praise of, of every catcher in camp. I mean, even to the point where Carlos Perez, the 24-year-old, he, Tony La Russa called him a future big league catcher for sure, even though he's not going to get time in big league camp this year. Right? He's not going to see a spring training game, I guess. He's, he's in camp, but he's not going to see a spring training game. Also, just briefly here on how the minor league schedules have changed, there will be an alternate site. AAA has been pushed back a month. Call-ups in the first month of the season have to come from the alternate alternate site. So that as we you know talk about Zach Collins and where he's going to end up, if Jonathan Lucroy gets the spot or maybe vice versa, keep that in mind. That's going to be a very different setup than years past, and it's even going to be different than it was last season. That's going to do it for us here on White Sox Weekly. Pre-game show at 1.30 tomorrow afternoon. Len and DJ have the call at 2 o'clock. The hockey show is up next. Pat and Brian have finally recovered from that overtime madness. Shootout and overtime madness last night. Good God, was that an ending of a game. The hockey show's next. I'm Connor. This is ESPN 1000.